Hello and welcome to the Cleveland Scott York podcast, in which we discuss the latest developments in intellectual property, whether relating to patents, trademarks, design rights or domain name disputes. In each episode, I'm joined by an attorney from Cleveland Scott York to give their expert opinion. I'm joined today by Andy Clemson, Chartered Trademark Attorney and Senior Associate here at Cleveland Scott York to discuss domain name disputes, what they are, why they matter and what businesses and individuals can do about them. Andy has written a book recently on the topic entitled A Practical Guide to the Law of Domain Names and Cybersquatting, which is available from Law Brief Publishing. Hi Andy, let's begin with the most basic point. What sorts of disputes arise over domain names? Hi there. Well, there's uh, a range of disputes really that go from the classic cybersquatting example of a third party registering a domain name which corresponds exactly to someone else's trademark and then they uh, they sort of squat on that brand, a squat on that domain name in the hope that the brand owner will need to pay an inflated price to take the domain name off them in a, in a purchase agreement. The other common scenario is where a domain registrant will register a domain that incorporates a third party trademark in the hope that their traffic to that domain will be increased because of either parties being um, misled as to what is going to be on the website or uh, because they think they might be able to get some kind of um, product related to the brand. Uh, Other slightly less common example, uh, other slightly less common examples are where um, Domains are registered for malicious behaviour, that is to say they're there to support phishing attempts or fraud uh, and um, those are thankfully far less common but do happen. Um, it's also worth mentioning that um, these kinds of issues can also arise in areas outside of purely of domain names so they can also cross into things like social media handles and company names. Great. Uh, Another question we've got here is, what can the consequences of a domain name dispute be for a business? Normally, the the main concern for a business is that the the domain name and the website associated with it is often their most key uh, point of of how they interact with their customers. Um, And also, the domain name supports things like their email and their um, e-commerce sites, for example. So if that's interfered with in any way, if the traffic from that is diverted, then it can be quite damaging. Um, Of course, the the extreme end of that scenario is that uh, e-commerce websites can can go offline or customers won't be able to email um, email into the company, and that can be very damaging, you know, on the bottom line. Generally, though, the, the main scenario is it's, it, it's a bit of reputational damage for the brand in the sense that these um, the, the domains that are registered in bad faith tend to be used for things like selling of counterfeits or otherwise misdirecting internet traffic, which just is um, not desirable for the brand owner. 
Great. Okay. Thank you. So, if a uh, if a domain name dispute was to arise for a business, what can a business do about that? The um, the situation is not dissimilar to how it would be in a normal trademark infringement case in the sense that the first thing to do is to contact the other party if you happen to know who they are um, and then try and negotiate. Uh, it may be that they've registered the domain innocently, they don't really, they're perhaps unaware that they're treading on your toes as the, as the IP holder and, it, and um, many disputes are settled quite easily with people saying, oh my apologies I didn't realise and then they transfer domains. Um, where that isn't the case, you may have to buy it, but um, the, that's often a pragmatic approach um, if the purchase price is going to be less than the price of trying to get the domain transferred to you in a, in a sort of formal dispute type process. However, if your negotiations fail, then you're left with the, with the options of either going to court, as you would do um, in, a, in a sort of normal litigation scenario, or using one of the domain name dispute systems that have been specifically set up um, to, to handle this kind of issue. Um, so if your domain in question is a .uk, then um, the procedure you need to use is the, is the one run by Nominet, their dispute resolution service, which is award-winning and is very user-friendly. .eu has its own one, which is run by URID, um, and the the main one, the one that comes up most often, is the Uniform Domain Name Dispute Resolution Policy, and that applies to .com, .net, and uh, all the other sort of generic top-level domains. Um, every country code top-level domain, which is like .uk and .eu that we talked about just earlier, they have their own procedures by and large. Um, some of them do adopt the the UDRP exactly. Others have variations on that theme, um, but each country code domain will have their own, their own provider and their own separate rules about um, how you have to bring the case, where and in what language, etc. Um, they come up less frequently than the, the sort of main UDRP cases because clearly um, over... I think it's well over half of all um, internet domain names registered are in .com or .net and those two registries are UDRP subscribers. So essentially it's going to be a, come down to trying deciding which, um, which domain name dispute procedure applies to your um, scenario and then and then filing the domain name dispute action as appropriate. There may be certain scenarios where um, where you forego filing a domain name dispute and go straight for court action. Um, that may be if, if you know who your respondent is and there are no jurisdictional issues, um, sometimes bringing the court action as a first step is, is wise. Um, but you know that that will vary from the case to case basis. So it's just one of those things that you have to bear in mind. But most of the time, that will be much more expensive than filing a domain name dispute. So normally, you would consider the domain name dispute as as sort of plan A. Okay, great, thank you. So, how can businesses minimise the chances of falling victim to cyber squatting or becoming involved in a domain name dispute? 
the main point here I think is to is to make sure that at an early stage companies sit down and have a they sit down and they they generate a specific policy around domain name registration and they they think through all the um, aspects of it before there's a problem so by that I mean making sure that your domain name registration strategy tallies as much as possible with your trademark registration strategy. So that means if you do a lot of trading in Brazil, for example, then you might want to consider getting a .br domain name to correspond to your .com or .uk or whatever your main one is. And then in .br, for example, their CCTLD rules state that you can only own a .br if you are a Brazilian uh, company registered for tax in Brazil. So that means you might need to set up a subsidiary and then you will need to make sure that the, even though the domain name is owned in the name of that subsidiary that the it's clear in all the licensing agreements that that domain name um, is ultimately owned by the, by the licensor, by the parent company. Um, disputes between um, licensees, licensors and distributors and licensees are, are um, very fertile ground for domain name disputes. So having a uh, clear policy in place can help forestall, forestall all of that. Um, the other main point about having a policy is if you've, if you've aligned your trademark and domain, d- domain registration you know, thought processes, then that should mean, hopefully, that every domain name that might be of value to the business is registered sooner rather than later. And if somebody then comes along and registers a domain that is quite similar but not identical to one of the ones you wanted, then you can sit back and relax in knowing that you've already thought about it and you've already decided that the business doesn't need that domain and that therefore there's nothing you really need to do because that you know you don't have to take action against every single third party domain registration um and indeed it would be it would be crazy to do that because because of the nature of the way domains are if you're microsoft.com somebody could come along and register microsoftabcde.com and you know that that is just completely never ending it there are infinite ways that you can have um Microsoft within a domain name, that letter string, and that's just in .com, and bear in mind that there are thousands of GTLDs and there are hundreds of CCTLDs out there. So it's impossible to cover off everything presently. There are steps in that direction coming, but um, at the moment it's impossible to cover everything off. So all you really need to do as a business is decide what you want to register and have a clear thought process as to why that is and then register it and then that means that you can relax essentially um, knowing that you're never going to fall victim to a cyber squatter because you've already got everything wrapped up that's that's of course the ideal um, many businesses i know um, don't do that and they only really think about these issues when a problem arises. Um, However, other steps that can be taken are things as simple as just doing some brief Google searching before choosing a domain name. 
um, checking to see if there are any um, third parties out there that have registered trademarks that correspond to the domain name that you're hoping to register. Um, checking to see whether that domain name has in fact been registered by someone else before and then allowed to lapse, whether it's been subject to dispute before. All of these things, just five minutes on Google and um, it can save you a lot of headaches down the line. Great, thank you. Some good tips there. Uh, can you tell me more about uh, new top level domains and the issues these create for businesses? Yeah, so this is a, this is a sort of relatively important and current thing. Um, so I've mentioned in the course of this chat that there are different types of top level domains, the TLDs. So there is the CC TLDs, which are the country code ones. So that's things like .uk, .de and .eu. And then there are the GTLDs, which are generic. So that means that they are not linked to any particular country. So generic ones being .com, .net, .xxx and things like that. Um, in 2011, there were only 22 GTLDs. And bearing in mind that there are over 350 million uh, domain registrations, what that basically meant was that all of the good ones had gone. And um, there was, it was starting to pinch a bit. People were struggling to come up with good snappy domain names that weren't already taken or otherwise liable to, to tread on the toes of brand owners. So ICANN decided that they would um, allow people to file applications to have new GTLDs created. So that's just new letter strings after the dot. And um, that, that process began in 2012 and over 1900 letter string applications were submitted. Um, the process is now nearly over, but the first new GTLD went live in October 2013 and the thousandth one went live in May 2016. So over the course of that period, um, a thousand whole new GTLD registries were created. And so this poses a challenge for brand owners. If you're a, if you're a sort of huge multinational brand like Google, for example, do you go and register Google in every single new GTLD that's created, new GTLD that's created? So google.rugby, google.london, google.ninja, google.book, google.sale. Is that worth it? Do they need to do that? I mean, bearing in mind that they're a very, very well-known brand, they're a, they're a big target for cyber squatters. So brand owners are slightly concerned that this sort of explosion of internet real estate is just going to mean that their portfolio of defensive domain registration, so that's to say domains that are registered purely for defensive purposes, they have no value to the business at all, um, was just going to become exponentially larger and harder to manage and more costly to renew and um, there was concerns. So as part of the whole process, um, ICANN brought in a couple of um, safeguards to protect brand owners and um, those, those safeguards include things like when a new GTLD is registered, um, brand owners have the first bite of the cherry at registering domains that correspond to their trademarks um, and so that's handy if you're a brand owner but it doesn't it doesn't necessarily solve the problem 
of all these new TLDs driving brand owners towards having these inflated, enormous portfolios of, um, of defensive domain registrations. Recent developments are sort of progressing along the right roads, I would say, here, in the sense that you can now um, block off letter strings without having to actually own the domain that they correspond to. And also it blocks off, well, there are various different systems I'll get onto momentarily, but you, some of them block off also similar um, domains rather than just the identical letter string. So in the olden days, if you wanted to defend google.rugby, you'd have to actually register that. Whereas now, these days, um, the Trademarks Clearinghouse, which is a body that helps regulate, or not regulate, helps run these blocking systems, um, has a range of 40 new GTLDs under its wing. And if you, if you use their Trademarks Registry Exchange service, then you can pay an annual fee, just one fee, um, to block a letter string in all 40 of those new GTLDs. And there are other other um, services cropping up all the time. Donuts, which is the owner of about 240 new GTLDs, has a similar system um, whereby one single payment to them will block letter strings and similar letter strings across all 240 of their new GTLDs. So you don't have to have those domains on your books. All you have to do is you have to remember to renew the block every year and it's very competitively priced as you might imagine and um, data isn't out yet really on how popular it is but I suspect it's going to be extremely popular. Um, it's, it's a step in the right direction I would say. It's going to help brand owners police their little patch of the, of the internet you know, as it expands um, and it's it's good for them to know and I think it's good that for the for the registries you know that they've come around to the idea that selling defensive domains isn't the isn't the way forward the way forward is to sell these blocks and I think they're going to make a great deal of money out of it but it, it will be it would be good for everybody all told I suppose um, final point on um, on this is that this was just round one of the new GTLDs. ICANN has said that there will be a third and a fourth round, and um, well, ICANN has said that there will be a second and a third and a fourth round, and they've even said that in the fullness of time there will be a systemized application process, so you'll get these new GTLDs coming on, you know, as and when. So this issue isn't going away. Um, if anything, it's going to get worse. And so I definitely would advise thinking about these blocking mechanisms um, for brand owners. Great. Thank you, Andy. That was really interesting. And thank you very much for your time today. Uh, if anyone would like any more information regarding domain name disputes, uh, please visit our website, Cleveland, Scott York. Uh, and thank you again for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>